Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or online at NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. Enjoy the message. I'm back. Maybe I'm making you all nervous with this football like I'm going to throw it. Or maybe it should just like keep your attention the whole time as I'm setting you up for dwelling in the Word. Hey everybody, those of you who know me know I'm a bit of a goofball sometimes. Those of you who don't, I apologize. My name is Pastor JD. I'm one of the pastors at North City. One of my jobs today, I really have no plan to let go of this ball. Um, One of my plans today is to set our microchurches up for their discussion called Dwelling in the Word. But if you're watching with us, we've got some scripture that we're going to read and some things that we can reflect on. So hang with us. Uh, We've got some good conversations. Yes, it's Super Bowl Sunday. So maybe right now I am so honored that you are flipping over to watching uh, me right now talk about scripture. That's a pretty cool thing. Instead of the big game, uh, America's favorite game, uh, highest TV ratings by far. And here's the real secret of it, right? Not a lot of people watching for the football. Let's just clarify about football that uh, people like me... uh, some of whom are actually interested in the outcome of the game, actually enjoy football, but that's honestly kind of a small percentage today. Most people, let's be honest, and maybe you're in this category and you can raise your hand virtually or there, wherever you're watching, are in it for the commercials. Is that you? Are you in it for the commercials? Uh, I still remember commercials from my childhood from the Super Bowl. I remember the Budweiser commercials with the frogs. I remember uh, all kinds of stuff. I remember the the Old Spice commercial with that awkward dude holding the Old Spice uh, thing that kind of changed our genre of commercial forever. Uh, This is a very commercialized, very American, very capitalistic day. And there happens to be a football game going on. Today, we're not talking about capitalism. We're not necessarily talking about America. And hopefully I'll stop talking about football here. (laughs) What we're talking about is being a witness. Jesus invites us to be a witness. Um, We're in this conversation called Spirit-Led. And we're going to look at the story of the beginning of the church. And you might say, uh, why are you talking about the Super Bowl then? Well, one, it is the Super Bowl. But as I was reflecting on the Super Bowl this year, not just in grief because the Packers aren't in the Super Bowl, but as I was reflecting on it, uh, because it's our context, it's who we are, it's the neighbors that we love who are engaging this, it's us, we're watching this together. It says a little bit about America, and America is a country that sells stuff. We're a very commercialized country. And I think that has influenced how American Christians, and I want to say particularly evangelicals, if you find yourself from that stream, has come to maybe understand or come to think about the idea of being a witness for Jesus or the idea of being uh, an evangelical, one that shares the good news of Jesus. And here's what I mean by that, and maybe you can resonate with this, that often when we feel like um, the desire 
or at least the understanding that we should be sharing our faith. And even notice how I said that, should be sharing our faith. It feels like we should be selling something. And whenever we engage in an evangelistic conversation, sometimes it feels a little salesy, if you will, or we feel at least that we're being perceived that way, some of us. Why is that? Well, I want to dig into this a little bit more and unpack maybe how some of our American culture or our American understanding has infiltrated our understanding of being witness and then strip that back and just say, hey, what did Jesus actually invite the church into when it called us to be a witness? So what we're going to do to do that today is we're going to look at Acts 1, 1 through 9. And uh, this is a wonderful text. Uh, and uh I'm going to set this up so you and your North City communities can do uh, the practice of dwelling in the Word. If you're not familiar with that, if you're not familiar with the North City community, it's just a way for us to spark discussion and discernment around texts. Um, and so this is a little prompt to do that in those spaces. But if you're watching, this can just be uh, maybe some reflection questions for you. So we're going to read the text together. We're going to dig in a little bit on what the New Testament uh, shares with us or the Bible shares with us about what it means to be a witness and then uh, what that can mean for our lives and how it's probably different than our American conceptualizations of being a witness or, or um, trying to sell someone something. So um, for us to uh, dive into the scripture a little bit uh, together today, I'm going to use um, the audio from Streetlight Productions, which is this awesome app that you can get on your phone where it's the New Living Translation of the Bible read to you under some sweet music by voice actors. It's just an exciting way, an awesome way to engage in scripture. So let's listen to the scripture together and um, then we'll do some reflection afterwards. Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 1, The Promise of the Holy Spirit. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Ascension of Jesus. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud where they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So this is a really amazing moment in church history. This is the moment where Jesus, uh, before he ascends to heaven, basically transitions us into the church age, transitions us into the spirit-led life. Those of us who have 
throughout history and time, uh, met Jesus, fallen in love with Jesus, been transformed by him, and then tried to be a part of the church that's faithfully responding to the Holy Spirit together. And there's a lot going on here. And you can see that the disciples don't fully get it. They don't fully understand. Uh, I don't, uh, later on in the text, uh, an angel appears because they're still staring at the sky and the angel just shows up and be like, hello, what are you all still hanging around for? So it's this really bewildering uh, moment for this uh, pack of disciples in the early church. As I said earlier, the, the piece that I really want to zero in on is verse 8, where it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they are right now. And Judea, that's the surrounding area. Samaria, even further out and to the ends of the earth. And that's been a call that's rung out in the church and for Christians for a long time. We have this mission, we have this, uh, this passion to join Jesus by being his witness in the world. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a witness of Jesus? What is Jesus calling us into? So as I mentioned, um, I think the American context, because of our commercialism in some sense, but because of the culture we bring to the texts, uh, are somewhat distant to what witness might have meant in that original time. And uh, I want to use this clip from the Bible Project, which is a great resource we use all the time to just concisely help us understand Bible terms and themes. So here's a quick video uh, that just in a really awesome way, lays out what uh, this word witness would have meant to those people who heard it. When you hear the word witness, you might think of someone who sees something shocking or important and then shares their testimony with others. The word witness is used like this in the Bible too, but here's what's really fascinating. This word actually helps us understand the entire storyline of scripture. In the Bible, a witness is basically someone who sees something important or amazing. In Hebrew, this person is an aide, and in Greek, a martus. And if this person begins to share what they've seen, we call this bearing witness, in Hebrew, oud, and in Greek, martyreo. So in the story of Ruth, when Boaz buys land from Naomi's family, he calls together witnesses to see the transaction, so that if there's a later dispute about the land, they can bear witness about what they saw. So that's the basic meaning of the word witness. Now, if we follow this idea throughout the Bible, we learn that God wants a group of witnesses, people who see and experience him to ood or represent him to the world. So beginning with the story of the Exodus, the people of Israel witness Yahweh as the powerful king of the nations when he rescues them from slavery. Then he appoints this one nation to bear witness or ood to the rest of the nations about what they experienced. He calls them a kingdom of priests or people who connect all other nations to Yahweh, the true God and King. But there's a big problem. The Israelites aren't good witnesses. In fact, they start worshiping other gods. So God raises up a chief witness, Moses, to ood or bear witness to the people who are supposed to be the real witnesses. When Moses meets with Yahweh on Mount Sinai, he sees and experiences God face to face. When he comes down, he ooods, he bears witness to the people about his experience. He even writes a song as a witness so that they would never forget how God has cared for and rescued them. But as the story goes on, Israel does forget. 
they fail to truly see God, so they fail as his witnesses. So God raises up prophets who are like Moses to ood, to open their eyes to who their God really is. Like Isaiah, he has a vision of God as the cosmic king, and he's sent to ood to bear witness to the Israel of his day because they're blind, they're corrupt, and they don't recognize God as their king. So Isaiah says that one day, God will raise up the ultimate chief witness, a figure called the servant. He will open the eyes of the blind so that they can truly see Yahweh and bear witness to the nations that their God is the king who will rescue the world. And now, when we turn to the story of Jesus, we find him claiming to be that servant and witness spoken of by Isaiah. He's the ultimate witness, or in Greek, the martus. Crowds of people witness him saying that he's bringing God's kingdom, that it's here, right now, through him. They see Jesus healing people, even restoring sight to the blind. Many recognize who he is and respond to his message, but many others still refuse to truly see. Even the nation's leaders won't listen to him. Rather, they kill Jesus for bearing witness to God's kingdom, that is, for being a martus. In fact, this is where the word martyr comes from. But then, after Jesus' death, something amazing happens. Jesus' friends see him, alive from the dead, and they recognize that he is the divine king, Yahweh himself, who has come to rescue the world. After that, Jesus sends them out to martyreo, that is, to bear witness to the nations, to open their eyes to this risen king who has conquered death and who offers freedom and rescue and the hope of a new creation. And it's this story about Jesus that's been spread all around the world by faithful witnesses. And to this day, when someone hears the story of Jesus and experiences the love of God for all humanity, the most natural thing to do is to simply bear witness. So one of the primary questions I want you to reflect on or, or discuss in your group as you dwell on this passage is, what does it mean for you to be a witness? What does it mean for Jesus to invite you into that the same way he was inviting his disciples into that? And, you know, I, I, I was trying to bring up the tension around sharing the, uh, our faith. Uh, that Some of us as Americans who come from a consumeristic uh, mindset might experience. But uh, the church has been empowered to share the good news of Jesus throughout time. And I hope for North City, we have tons of confidence in presenting the story of Jesus to other people. I, I hope that every opportunity we get, um, we, ha uh, we have the courage to share the story of Jesus, of his cross, of his resurrection, his suffering, that he died for our sins, that he's rescued our life. I'm not calling that into question. I hope all of us grow in the boldness of it. And I think some of us are really good at that and do that in our lives, and I celebrate that. But I also want to acknowledge that there's this growing awkwardness. There's this growing unease with how uh, maybe we feel pressured or pushed to evangelize in the past or proselytize as uh, the outside world talks about it. And I know that we shouldn't be ashamed of the story of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying either. But I think you can maybe resonate with me that you feel like um, if you don't have a fancy sales pitch, if you don't have a fancy uh, way of getting in a com gospel conversation, if you don't uh, use the four spiritual laws, for instance, or if you don't have a great track or all these different things, 
uh, you don't feel like you can really share the good news of Jesus or you don't really feel like you're being a good witness. Basically, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of shame around being a witness. Some of us carry around this uh, storyline that we need to be doing a better job with that, that we aren't a good salesperson because we kind of feel like a salesperson or that's what we really should be. And I just want to call into question, maybe that's our American mindset about what it means to be a witness, what it means to share the good news about something coming into this context. And maybe what Jesus means about being a witness is to be able to get in a gospel conversation with someone, is to be able to present in a compelling way the story of Jesus. Um, But maybe, not just maybe, yes, it does mean so much more than that. And that's what I want to explore in your conversations today and with just this brief reflection. I love, I love how the Bible Project put it there. They said, a witness or who we are as witnesses are people who see and experience Jesus. For them, it meant that they actually saw, they actually experienced Jesus. For us, that means we interact with him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've seen what he's done in our lives. We see what he's doing in the lives around us. And we're hopeful for what he will do. These are people, they say, who bear witness and represent. I would add, and participate in the world with Jesus as he's actively bringing the good news of his kingdom all around us, uh, in the regions we live in, and across the globe. And Christians are people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. You know, a question that came up for me, and that's something we ask, is what questions come up for you, is uh, does a witness need power? It's really interesting, the dynamic of uh, him saying you will receive power to be my witnesses. When we think of witness, we don't think that person necessarily is in a place of power because when we think of witness, we just think of someone passively telling a story about something. So clearly Jesus is saying something so much more about having a slick presentation about the testimony of Jesus. This is an empowered process. And here's what makes all the difference, I think. To be a witness, to be a Jesus witness, is to be a spirit-led witness. What Jesus is advocating is not just for someone who can uh, tell the story of Jesus in a compelling way to people. What Jesus is looking for in a witness is someone who's committed to living a spirit-empowered, spirit-led life and bearing witness not only to Jesus' story, though that's important, but to that story, that spirit-led story in their life. To live out of response of obedience to the Holy Spirit and have the courage and confidence to let your life tell that story by the decisions you make, by the the way you invest your time, by the relationships that you strike up, and also to be able to proclaim the good news of what Jesus is doing out of that Spirit-led life. What I'm trying to advocate for is, yes, evangelism, yes, bearing witness is about what Jesus has done. It's about who he is. It's about his plan for salvation for everyone's life, but it's about so much more. It's about bearing witness to the kingdom of God coming true in our life today and about our hope for it to fully come true in new creation in the future because we're spirit-led people. We're people who tell the stories of the spirit's leadership in our lives. That's what it means 
to be a witness. That's the full picture. So as I send you out into your groups or as you're reflecting on this, I want to give you three things that I think uh, characterize or we can think about when we are thinking about being a church of spirit-led witnesses. What does it mean to be a spirit-led witness? The first thing is it's not about you. It's about the spirit inside of you. And I just basically said this. It's not about you. It's about the spirit inside of you. I think a lot of the anxiety that comes up when we're thinking about sharing the good news of Jesus is we look at our life and say, we're not any better than the person that we're telling a story to. And that's true. But it shouldn't stop us from telling the story of Jesus because it's not about us. It's about the spirit inside of us. Oftentimes we feel timid in relationships with other people telling the story about what God's doing in our church or what God's doing in the world around us because uh, there's this pervasive belief out there like don't push your beliefs on me. But again, it's not about you. It's about the spirit inside of you that desperately loves the person who you're talking with, desperately loves that neighbor and this story that's just waiting to get out about what God is doing in the world. It's not about you. It's about the spirit inside of you when we think about witness. It's about participating with the powerful spirit. I said this too, it's not just about telling a story, it's about living a story, an active participation in a spirit-led life. Participating with the power of the spirit. Have courage to tell your story. It takes courage. Uh, last week I shared the quote from I, who I jokingly said was the philosopher Bruce Lee, but he's actually uh, just a karate guy on TV. But what he said is an iteration of a phrase that's been said before, that courage is not the absence of fear, it's the ability to act in the midst of fear. And that's where the power comes from. That's what Jesus is saying, that I will give you power to be my witnesses. He says, I won't just leave you out there to tell a story in uh, divisive times where people don't want to listen to what you have to say. Maybe I will give you power. I will miraculously open people's ears and I will do things in your life that, can't, uh, that will make you uh, just want to share the story of them all over the place. Uh, that's what the power is about in that instance. You know, when I uh, ha have been praying this week, as I've all been inviting all of you to pray with all of North City about this question, how do we picture North City or what does God show us about North City in three years when we pray to God about that? We're in this kind of vision mode. One of the scriptures that came to me early on as I was fasting actually on that that question on Monday was a scripture uh, that's been really meaningful to me in my life before, and that's 2 Timothy 1.7. And he's, uh, it's Paul uh, uh, sending a letter to Timothy, who's a young leader uh, in really young churches. And he gives them this piece of encouragement. He says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Now, around this question of being a witness, around this question of sharing the story of Jesus in our lives and through our lives, there can be a lot of timidity and fear. I just want to leave you with this really strong reminder that God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity. There's much to fear. There's much to be timid about in the anxious world that we live in right now. But we're not called to that, people. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be the Holy Spirit to come to us in power and empower us to be witnesses in our everyday life and around the world. A spirit of power, of love, 
and self-discipline. So I'm going to send you off into your groups for discussion and reading of this scripture. I hope it's a great discussion for you. Uh, I hope those questions can be a great reflection for you as well. If you'd like to get connected with our community, please text the number you see in the description. We would love to connect with you and let you know what's going on in our community. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may he give you the courage to respond. Amen.